0: Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining me for Coding with Christine Hall. We made it past Thanksgiving. I cannot believe how fast this year is going. Like, I think that, um, you know, yesterday it was just Easter, right? Maybe not. But anyway, this whole year has just kind of flown by. And I we only have one more episode together after today until next year. And, and I wanted to personally thank all of you for traveling down this journey with me for this vlog or vodcast or podcast or whatever we're calling it these days. Um, it really has been a pleasure. And I'm so glad that all of you could join me this morning. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about compliance today. So, you know, it's a really big word that we use in healthcare, and it's often thought of as. Maybe just the corporate responsibility. Well, we have a department that does that. And we have, um, you know, our, our CEO or CFO or COO or someone else is responsible for compliance. But honestly, it's everyone's responsibility. Yeah, even you, it's your responsibility too. You know, it's compliance is really just establishing a set of policies, right? So what is it that we do? What do you do, right? And what procedures? How do you do them, right? And it usually starts with education. We learn how to do our job. We learn how to do to the new things that are coming along. We learn our policies and our procedures. And then compliance is monitoring those expectations, You know, making sure that our successes are met. So even in our own selves, little do you know that we have compliance in our own moral compass, right? We set expectations. We put a plan together how we're going to do it. And we educate ourselves. And then we monitor that. Think about what you just did for Thanksgiving, right? You put a list together of all the things, all the meals that you wanted to have in place. Then you put together a recipe list. You went to the store. You bought things. You came home. You followed the recipes. You assembled them together. There's your procedures, right? You put them in the oven to cook or on the stovetop to cook, right? And then everybody tastes it. You know you tasted it. You took a little bite to make sure it was good. You did your monitoring. Maybe you added a little salt. You did some re-education, right? You you, you um, changed it just a little bit to make sure it was perfect, right? All of that is compliance. Then we set it on the table, and there was the huge success we had. Everyone was so excited to eat all that wonderful meal, but little did you know you were following a compliance plan that was in place, right? Um, if you burnt the turkey, and I'm not saying that I burnt the turkey, But if you did burn the turkey, there would be a consequence, right? You threw it out, you got another one, or you called honey baked ham, right? They had a turkey delivered to you, or you picked up their turkey. So again, all of that really is compliance. It truly is simple. And if you think about it, you've been following compliance since you were born. Our parents, they set expectations, the policies, right? They educated us how to do it. And they told us this is how we want it done. Those are the procedures that needed to be done. They monitored us. They re-educated us. And then they sent consequences in place and they reinforced those consequences. Um, Who doesn't remember your parents telling you to clean your room, right? I want you to get everything up off the floor in your room. I want you to take your dirty laundry, right? Everyone had that policy, and procedure how to do it. Then your parents would walk in and they would take a look at your room and they would, that's their monitoring, and they would either re-educate, no, 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 you have to get that stuff over there, or they would set consequences. This is not what I expected. It Here's what's going to happen. They also told us, be home by curfew. Don't fight with your sister. Okay, maybe that was just me. Um, And who among us has never been grounded, right? So... Again, maybe that was just me, but I doubt it. Those are all consequences. Again, following a compliance program. Um, When we took something that didn't belong to us, we had to return it or even maybe replace it, right? When you went to school, that concept continued. Grades your teachers would give you, instructors, professors, that was monitoring your compliance, right? You got the syllabus at the beginning of the semester. It told you all of the expectations. Those are your policies. The procedure are the lectures that you had that explained to you how that something was supposed to be done. Those are the procedures. There were expectations. I want to see that you've learned this concept. When you didn't meet those expectations, there was consequences or re-education, right? Not necessarily consequences, but you remember how many times you went to your teachers, instructors, professors, and said, I need help. I don't quite understand this. That communication that was there between you and those key people in your life, that was the beginning of compliance, right? So you're starting to get the idea of compliance. It's not this big, scary word It's not something that belongs to administration. It's something that we ourselves do every day. And compliance in the workplace is the same thing. So uh, the inspiration for today's topic of compliance is due to a journey that I took down a rabbit hole. And it started a few days ago. Um, I posted a comment on LinkedIn. Hopefully you're all on LinkedIn and you get to see um, some of the great interaction that a lot of the coders and billers and health information management, clinical documentation improvement specialists, we are all out there trying to provide knowledge and enlighten and you know, doing our part of compliance, whether it's just providing education, um, that's a part of it, right? So um, anyway, let me get back to the point. Um, I posted on LinkedIn something and it was referring to an article that I had read from the AMA regarding their advocating efforts for the future of telehealth. And you know that I've been a huge supporter of telehealth way before the pandemic, way before telehealth was cool. And when I posted that, a brilliant colleague of mine, Terry Fletcher, reminded me in the comments of the concerns that, uh, we have about telehealth but more so it reminded me of the concerns that cms reported in their final rule now if you didn't read the 2400 pages that's okay there's a cms fact sheet out there that you can take a look at but let me share with you what the, what cms said in the final rule and their concerns were about patient safety or whether or not the conditions of the service provided via telehealth are likely to risk quality of care or if all the elements of a service could fully and effectively be achieved by um, uh, a remotely located clinician, right, using that two-way audio-video telecommunication. And for me, I thought of the bigger question of how do we add this new component or this new Uh, element of telehealth into our existing compliance program that aligns with CMS and their expectations, right? Hence the rabbit hole. Um, Next, I went to the OIG's active work plans. And to my surprise, there are eight CMS action items that are either underway or planned Remember, when we hear the word planned, that gives us an opportunity to be proactive, right? So hopefully you've all, your are monthly at least, you're taking a look at the OIG's work plan so that you can incorporate those concerns that the OIG are looking at into your practice, right? It's almost like the, they're telling us what they're going to be looking at. So that's where their concerns are. This month... December, And I know we're only into the second day of December, but already we have a new item that was added to the OIG's work plan. And that was that they have um, added telehealth services in select federal health care programs. So they're looking at different programs, Medicare, Medicaid, and, you know, Medicare has many, many programs. They have their value-based reimbursement. They have the PACE program. There are so many different programs that are um, sponsored or they're managed by CMS, but they're going to be looking at certain programs and they're going to be working with the HHS and the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, the PRAC Committee, to produce a report that describes the types of telehealth services that are available, including those that were added during the public health emergency, the pandemic. So those temporary telehealth services and they're going to be looking at key program integrity risks that are associated with the use of telehealth and they've identified six different healthcare care programs that they're going to be looking at now it didn't go into detail and tell me which six of those programs so if any of you are involved in a pace program i don't know if they're going to be looking at that or end-stage renal disease or value-based medicare advantage programs not real sure what those programs are. But you know what, I'm not going to take that risk. I'm going to make sure that I'm looking within my own practice to see that those telehealth uh, services that we might be doing now that are new, that we have a policy in place, procedures of how they should be done, those expectations, right, of telehealth. Um, I'm going to make sure that's in my, my program. So what are the key program integrity risks that they're talking about? Does anybody have any thoughts? Um, I want to make sure that you feel free to put anything into the chat box. And at the uh, we'll just have some time here at the end of our little time together to chat about them. <laughs> so I got to thinking. Now, remember a few episodes ago, we talked about CMS's components for telehealth, right? Which requirements of telehealth were waived during the public health emergency, like the originating location and some of those additional provider types that can perform telehealth services like PT and OT, and which requirements were added during the public health emergency, like documenting the patient's consent prior to performing the services via telehealth. So my wheel started turning, and I thought about how many practices out there uh, follow the seven elements of an effective compliance program that's been developed by the OIG. Now, they've done the hard work for us. They laid out very simply in seven elements how to do a compliance program and do it well. And again, not just from that corporate level or that administrative level, right? Um, Where do policy and procedures implemented for telehealth services during the public health emergency, did we implement those? Did we put something in place to monitor it? If we did, how are we monitoring it? Are we being compliant? What are the outcomes? Was there re-education? And then I thought about, well, whose job is that? Because again, like I said, most of us think that that's administration or that's corporate, right? Um, And then I returned back to those seven elements and I looked at them individually, right? And I really looked at them from maybe, you know, the lay viewpoint. And I thought about that and I said, you know, I bet people don't really understand that compliance Those Sullivan elements, they relate to you and what you do in your job every day. And it should be kind of at the forefront of what we're doing. So I thought, well, the first one is implementing written policy and procedures and standards of conduct. conduct. Well, what does that mean? It means policies, right? What we do and procedures. How do we do them? What are the standards? They're the expectations. So maybe your job is the payment poster, right? That's your job. That's what we do. And you explain that you post payments. Then procedures. How do you do them? Well, we open the the mail. Really, guys, it's that simple. You open the mail. You look up the patient's account number. You post the check, who it was from, how much it was. Is there any type of adjustments that need to be done? What type of adjustments do we register in the EMR? So again. What are the, how do we do it? And then what's the expectation? The expectation is that all of those payments will be posted within that time period, right? Every day from, we're going to post the daily payments that come in. And that's just one example, right? It could be anything. You could look at it from a coding perspective or a management perspective or, you know, any of those perspectives that we're looking at the policy, the procedure and the standards there. Um, The second element is designating a compliance officer and a compliance committee. So who's in charge? Whose responsibility is it to make sure that those policies and procedures and those standards are implemented in the practice? Well, it's kind of everybody's responsibility. It's your job to know what your job is, right? And how to do your job and to know what's expected of you or what's the expected outcome So that's very interesting, I thought. Mm, Not just corporate, right? Not just administrative. Of course, we do have to have someone, that compliance officer or even maybe the, the supervisor who is kind of monitoring those expectations. You know, you do it in your daily life with your family, with your pets, with your friends, with your colleagues, with your coworkers. So we all have to take that responsibility um, and look at that. The the third is conducting an effective training and education. Learning, right? When we don't know something, we learn it. Uh, I'll tell you, my best friend is Google. If I don't know something, I'm going to go figure it out. Um, and we have to be careful with where we get learning. We want to make sure that this is from an authentic resource, right? I'm not going to go looking at Bob's coding plan and understand how to code that way. I want to make sure that I'm going to AAPC or AHIMA or someone like that to get my coding knowledge. If I want my billing knowledge, I'm going to NCCI, the National Correct Coding Initiative and their manuals. I'm going to CMS and their uh, claims processing manuals or benefit manuals, right? Going somewhere reparable. Um, I'm also going to webinars with other people in the industry that have the knowledge, reparable people within the industry that have the knowledge. And I'm learning. I'm a constant student. It's it's my job. But I also uh, provide education for companies, for corporations, for practices, to kind of bring all of that into one base of knowledge that they might need, like the updates, right? We've been talking the last few months about the new updates that have been coming in. And I've been sharing that information with you. And hopefully, you've been taking that and running with it. I mean, I know none of you read the 2400 pages of the final rule. And if you did, I'm so impressed. And I want to hear about your thoughts on that. But But again, maybe that you're going to somewhere reparable, the CMS fact sheet, or you're watching a webinar from from a certified coder or certified biller that's providing you that information. Next is developing the effective lines of communication. So that really means just reaching out when you don't know something, or you don't understand something, or you want to know more about something, Um, and being able to go to those key people that are within your practice, maybe your supervisor, your manager, practice administrator, Um, or even going outside and maybe contacting a few other people about information that you need, right? Hopefully you can get that information in-house. That's where we always like to be able to get our information. But if not, you know, sometimes it's good to communicate outside. So having that uh, line of communication there that's in place. The next one is conducting internal monitoring and auditing, And that's asking the question, are the expectations being met, right? Are we doing this correctly? What's our grade? You ever wonder that? Like, how well are we doing? And, you know, that can start with ourselves. We can set expectations for ourselves that we're going to be able to meet the standards on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a monthly basis, and of course, managers out there and supervisors out there. You know, it, it's so beneficial to your staff when you do that monitoring and you give them that feedback, that communication of how they're doing. Maybe they need some re-education in an area or, or that they're struggling with, right? And they may not be able to identify it. Maybe that has to come from a manager, supervisor, administrator. So conducting those internal monitoring and auditing, did you clean your room, right? (laughs) That is so super important. Then the enforcing those standards through well-publicized disciplinary guidelines. What are the consequences? What happens when we don't do something correctly or we don't meet those expectations? Is there re-education? Is there, you know, some, some enforcement of having to do a better job? Um Sometimes it means that maybe you're not the perfect fit. Maybe there are some consequences like that, that you need to find a better fit. And not only, not you know, that doesn't have to be like you're going to a new job. Maybe in, internally, maybe you have a better billing mind than a coding mind, or maybe you have a better coding mind than a billing mind, so... Those are some things that we want to make sure that everybody understands. If you don't do it right, if you don't do it correctly, if you don't meet those expectations, what are the consequences? And sometimes the consequences don't necessarily have to be negative, but sometimes it is negative. You know, sometimes that's how we learn. The last one is responding promptly to detected offenses undertaking corrective action. So we have to ask ourselves, do we need to return something that we received an error? So again, from a coding and billing and a a healthcare perspective, did we receive payment for a service that we really did not meet the standard, meet the expectation? Maybe the documentation doesn't support that modifier being used or that code being used or maybe, you know, we unbundled something incorrectly, right? We Because we learn and we find out that that, that was an error. What do we do? Well, sometimes we have to return it, right? Um, if we're not entitled to it by documentation or by policy and procedure within the practice, right, um, we always say we're sorry and we accept whatever that consequence is we learn from it. Um Sometimes we need to figure out how big or how small the problem is. And we need to take steps to make sure that this doesn't happen again. So kind of like rinse and repeat steps one through six of the effective elements of a compliance program. So compliance is doing the right thing. It's everyone's job. Have you ever heard the term, it takes a village to raise a child? Well, you know, we're not children anymore, but it does take each and every one of us doing our part to make sure that our village, our practice, is healthy and safe. So next week, I'm going to break down these seven elements even further, and I'm going to put them into real words. I'm going to give you some real examples You know, I know a lot of you think of policy and procedures and you think, oh my gosh, you know, that's not in my wheelhouse. It really is. Sometimes we overthink these tasks, right? So I'm going to break those down for you next week. I'm going to give you some examples and show you how to implement these within your practice or your role and that you can do your part of compliance. So I'm going to switch over to the chat right now. And I want to see your thoughts and your questions. So please feel free to throw your comments or your questions in the chat. And let's chat about them. <laughs> First of all, I want to say thanks to everybody for being here today. It really means a lot to me that you take the time to, to spend with me. Um, let's see. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I So many of you are with me today. Let's see. Um, my friend, Caitlin Brack, who is a, a rock star in the industry, guys, um, she also thinks it is important to note that there could be considered compliances without a job title, right? Um, when, when she was a lead, she audited coders to make sure that they were following correct policies, right? So that's good. Um, it's good to be there. And I'm sure Caitlin, I know you very well. I'm sure that when you saw something that maybe wasn't correct or wasn't meeting the expectation that you went back and you educated those people and you had a chat with them, that open communication to say, you know what, there's a better way to do this, an easier way to do this, or here's the policy and procedure that you need in order to be successful. I mean, that's what we all want, right? We all go into work every day hoping to be successful or or striving to be successful in our roles and compliance is all the way around that. So that's within everything that we do. So yes, you are part of compliance there. And thanks so much, Caitlin, for pointing that out. My friend Kelly says that she procrastinates on writing policies and procedures. And, And you know what? You're not alone, Kelly. Let me tell you, when you hear that policy and procedures it sounds so big, right? Oh my gosh, do I have to have a college degree in in healthcare administration to be able to write that policy and procedure? And the truth is you don't, it's very simple. And next week I'm gonna break down how to write a policy and procedure with you. So if you're here today, I hope all of you, as soon as this is over, sign up for next week and, and block that time off on your calendar because we are going to break down how to write a policy and procedure. So even if it's something that you do for yourself, you set that what you do, how you do it, and you put the expectation to paper, right? That's a start. And even better when you share that with your manager. Can they offer any more information to it? Manager might take it to a supervisor, and they might add something more to it or to administration, you know those building blocks in developing the good policy and procedure there. Um, so this is, this is great. I'm so glad that you guys could be there for me today. And, and it was important that uh, Hiranuka. higher was so good to see so many of my students that have joined me today. I miss you all so much. Those of you that have uh, become certified and you're out there in your career, I told you it would happen. And there you are. So, Um, But again, compliance is truly, truly the cornerstone. And if we put that compliance into our career, into our roles and what we do, and even if we just do it for ourselves, right? Looking at those seven elements and breaking those down, each and every one of them, you'll see how compliance can really edify what you do every day, right? And learning and being here today, all of those are things that help your personal compliance program, but also things that you can bring to your daily career, to your daily job to implement compliance for your practice and do your part of compliance. Any other questions out there that anybody might have about compliance or um, you know, something you're struggling with in your particular practice? Or is there something that you'd like to see next week? Um, you know, Caitlin, you have a lot of great um, Caitlin-isms, I'm going to call them, right? I'm going to title that. That's your new. It's called Caitlin-isms. I, I also have a posty note on my desk that you kind of coined the word documentation clarity, but you just gave me a great idea. Instead of calling it policy and procedure, which, you know, sometimes that makes the hair on the back of our neck stand up. Let's call them process documents, right? Hey, that's not very scary. A process document, right? Um, Caitlin also asks, Caitlin, you're amazing. I just love you. Um, I love you all, but she gets me. (laughs) Um, What's my favorite part of compliance? Okay. Okay. That's pretty easy, isn't it? It's education. I love sharing information with everyone. Um, I love communication. Those are my two favorite uh, elements of the seven elements of a compliance program. I can't say that I don't love all of them because I really do, right? I love knowing what uh, is expected of me. So I love policy and procedures. And I do enjoy education. I love sharing this information. But I also love learning. And learning isn't something that we do nine to five. Learning is something that we do outside of that as well. Um, I think I shared with you guys a few weeks ago when the, the guidelines came out for 2022. Like I booked time over my weekend. I made a, a, a schedule and I said, you know, Saturday from 12 to four or 12 to six, nobody bother me. I got on the couch. I got my favorite snacks. I sat down with my highlighter. I read those guidelines and I learned so much. So uh, make sure that you're taking that time to educate yourself as well. That's my favorite part of compliance. Um, Next week, you can sign up. You can register on Eventbrite. There's a a link that's there. Um, We're also on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on uh, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Sterling Global Solutions Uh, My wonderful assistant, Alexis Combs, she posts on all of the AAPC chapter websites. She is very active on LinkedIn. So if you can't find something from Sterling Global Solutions or Christine Hall or Alexis Combs uh, on any of the social medias, those should be out there. We also send out twice a month a newsletter. And if you want to be added to our newsletter where we talk about some of the new education opportunities, we talk about uh, some of the new things that are popping up in the industry, the hot topics, please make sure that you give us your email address so that we can make sure you're added to that newsletter and you're getting the updates. And that also has a link to our uh, Coding with Christine Hall. I just want to say... Uh, Oh, oh, and there was one question. Let me stop real quick. Um, Kinjal, you asked me, how do we watch our old videos? Well, they're all listed on YouTube there. So please make sure that when you go to YouTube that you hit the subscribe button, but you also hit the notification bell. And that's going to let you know every time we upload a new episode of Coding with Christine Hall. Um, And we're going to start offering in 2022 some our webinars talking about different topics that uh, are very important. Next year, I hope to break down ICD-10, especially those guidelines that you know I love so much, guys, to make them more understandable. So we can have a chat about it with, between us. Um, so please make sure that you uh, connect with us one way or another. Sterling, S-T-I-R-L-I-N-G, Global Solutions, Christine Hall, Alexis Combs, And we look forward to seeing you in two weeks when we have part two of compliance and we're going to break down how to write an easy policy and procedure, how to have that open communication and how to implement some monitoring and auditing, even from your level of where you are in your practice all the way through to the administrative side, right? So uh, share with your friends, let them know that this is coming up and I look forward to seeing you all in two weeks. Thanks again for being here with me.